Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to the first episode of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis Dahl from Summer Dental Laboratories located in Zionsville, Indiana. Hi guys, I'm Barbara Wojan from Night Dental Group, Oldsmar, Florida. How are you, Barb? I'm great. It's our first episode. Are you excited? I am really excited. Cannot wait to share what we have today with our listeners. You know, we only get a chance to make one first impression. I hope we don't screw it up. I hope we don't screw it up either, but here we go. We decided to do a podcast about the dental laboratory industry because both Barb and I are both extremely passionate about it and want a place where anybody uh, related to the industry can tell their story. We're going to be interviewing owners, managers, technicians, vendors, teachers, CDTs, basically anybody in this industry that has something worthy of talking about. At the end of the month, we're also going to do something that we like to call the round table, where we're going to get together four to six people and then have a discussion related to a topic that's both entertaining and informative. It's going to be really good. Sounds good to me, Elvis. Let's jump right in. Let's go into part one of our very first interview. Our very first interview is with Professor Renata Butney. She's with the New York City College of Technology. You know, she was very generous enough to be our first interviewee. So please bear with us. It's our first time. There's a few technical growing pains. This is a fascinating, great interview. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. All right, here we are on our first interview for Voices from the Bench. Uh, you know, bear with us. We're going to see how this goes. Our first interview is with Professor Renata Bundy. How are you today? I'm very good, and how are you? I'm doing well. Barbara, you still with us? I'm with you. Totally Ex- excited. Welcome. Excellent. Excellent. So, Renata, tell us tell us about what you do. I I'm the educator in New York City College of Technology, and we have a two-year associate degree program in dental laboratory technology. So I'm the lucky one being in a classroom all day with students and actually for the last year administering the program and running it and being able to work on a national level with amazing people. So my job is pretty amazing. So how did you end up teaching? Did you start working in a lab somewhere? Uh, Actually, I went to complete the program I'm teaching in first, and then I went and gained the experience in the field. I worked in a few labs. I started with the production lab, and then I learned that there can be a lot more quality work. So I started working for more smaller and quality-oriented laboratories, and I always educated myself because I always felt need to be on top of things. So that's kind of how I got to know that there are positions open to teach. And I said, why not? And that's kind of how it went. So you've been, a, you've been through the program that you are administrating then? Yes. How much has it changed? You know, when I was in the program, we never had digital technologies for once. (laughs) The program is still amazing. I mean, this program, when I went and took it, I immediately fell in love with the profession. And it wasn't just the work. It was also, you know, the people in the profession that made me feel 
sort of at home and part of the dental family. And I think a lot of students get attracted to this uh, profession once they enter our program because that's how we that's how we spend time together for the two years that they in the program. We really get to know each other. And so once they go out and if they're willing to come out like to Chicago or some other dental shows or meetings, they they get to meet amazing people in our profession and they feel that connection. And then on top of it, if they get to work with patients in dentist offices and see how much difference they make in a person's life, that is very rewarding as well. I can tell you for myself, um, when I visited uh, college uh, last November, how amazing your students were and how excited they were to meet um, Heather and I when we went there and how many awesome questions that they asked us and how interested they were in all of the CAD CAM and the new materials. Um, and when we went there as well, you guys were building a new building. Is that building ready to go yet? We were supposed to move in January. However, there's a little delay. It looks like we're going to be moving in uh, June and July. So there is a slip of half a year, but the building, it's beautiful. It's modern. It's very efficiently built. The laboratories inside are just gorgeous. So we invite everybody to come and visit when we move, but we can't wait to be in a brand new building and so can the students and the faculty. We're oh, very wow. excited. Yeah. Are, are they giving you a corner office in the new building? Yeah, we actually are. Instead of being in cubicles, we're gaining some offices for the faculty. So this is a huge improvement. Nice, nice. So how many people usually go through the program every year? Well, we usually enroll about uh, 40 to 60 students. And there were years when we had more than 60 students. And that varies, you know, on economy, on, uh, um, you know, markets and so on, different factors. But usually it's about 60 students, 50 students coming in and we graduating about 40 students. That's a good that's a good amount of class. I mean, it must well, be we actually are the biggest, the largest program in the country. And there is only 14 programs left that are uh, Commission on Dental Accreditation accredited at this time. So we've been consistently losing one to two programs a year for the past couple of years. And so far, you know, we're trying to hold on and we're trying to be strong. And our program was the first program in the country and it's still the largest in the country. And we're just trying to hold on and be there for our profession. So I've got a question regarding um, laboratories. Do you have any programs at the school where laboratories can contact you um, to get the students to go to work for them or to interview them before they graduate or right after they graduate? Oh, we have tremendous amount of connection with our industry. We have, you know, we invite uh, laboratories to come and actually tell the students what they can offer them. We had the lab from Pennsylvania come last semester. We had the program from Long Island. Uh, in a week, we're going to have another laboratory come from Long Island to just tell about the employment opportunities to our students. I just had somebody contacting me from Alaska, from national boards, looking for, for people to come to Alaska. We had people from all over the country contacting us for people. So, so right now, we really are witnessing, you know, we were predicting there's going to be shortage of technicians. Yeah. And when it comes to qualified technicians, it's just it's really hitting the ceiling at this point. So why are there so little schools now if the demand is so high? Well, because first and foremost, these programs are very expensive to run. So not only they are expensive, but are also, you know, it's hard to maintain them. So to open them, to maintain them, to keep them accredited, 
to comply with all the standards and to find the faculty to teach. As the technologies are changing, we are facing it as well. And all the educators at the national conference in Chicago were, uh, were also saying that in every year we have the same issue, finding proper people to teach with qualifications. So um, accreditation requires us to be the certified dental technicians and have proper degrees, but they don't specify it. However, when you work for the university, they require you to have minimum master degree or bachelor degree. And uh, community colleges would be more of a bachelor degree level. So each institution has its own requirements and it's mainly the degrees. As you know, in our field, you don't have to have any degrees to enter the profession. So finding people with proper degrees, proper credentials, it's really a struggle. And then another thing is succession plan. Once you have the program running, there's only one or two faculties, you know, it's it's kind of hard to develop that continuation or even when you have more more faculties, it's hard to develop continuation in the program that has to be worked into it. Um, and then finally, enrollment and graduation, the institutions are looking at that all the time. So if you don't have people coming into the program and the, if the enrollment is dwindling, they probably going to look not as favorably at you and are going to think of closing. The, another thing that, that I also hear is the fact that we don't have mandatory certification. So perhaps if we did, we would be full, just like hygiene or radiology in our school, where they have no problem filling the seats because people, if they want to get into these professions, they have to go through the professional certification. And in our profession, you don't. So you can simply just walk off the street and get hired. Wow. Interesting. Thank you. So I've got a question about um, adapting um, technology. How does the school adapt new technology with the CAD CAM? When I was there, um, there was a ton of computers, a lot of CAD CAM systems and design stations. So how do you guys go about getting those into the school? Do you have grants or anything that you have to apply for? Do you have money set aside for new technology and printing and all of that? What does that look like for the school? Well, part of it is grants. And another part is the institution has money put aside for um, capital improvements and for the capital purchases. So it depends, you know, which pile of money this, this qualifies for. We might be able to get bigger um, machinery such as CADCAM or um, printers or mills or things like that. So it comes from different places. And also the um, industry is extremely helpful by providing uh, either grants or um, donations. Okay. So we've got some donations, we got part donations, and we got grants from, let's say, Foundation for Dental Laboratory Technology that allowed us to buy some of the equipment. But the larger equipment would be um, larger grants and would be institutional purchases. Excellent. Do vendors okay. ever donate equipment knowing that these people will be well-versed in using it and might purchase it and bring it to the laboratory they end up working at? Yes, we got the big donation from uh, Dental Wings. Professor Alter uh, secured that donation uh, a couple of years ago. So we do have donations from large Excellent. Um, manufacturers. And we have donations like th just this semester, we had donation from Dent Supply, from GC of smaller supplies. So when we are in a crunch, you know, we reach out to the industry and a lot of times we get a lot of help from manufacturers and individual lab owners and whatnot. Excellent. Good. Good. So where do you get your students? How do you find them? Do they find you? Uh, that's not always so easy. Uh, 
within our college, uh, we have a huge growth and a lot of students might find out within the college. Some of them even walk through the hallways and find out about them, about us. But uh, some students are being fed from three high schools that are located in Brooklyn, Staten Island and Manhattan, and they have dental or dental technology programs preparing students for dental professions. And so we have affiliations with those high schools and there's always few students coming from there. Some of the students know from, they have a family member, a parent or an uncle aunt uh, who is associated with dental laboratory industry and that's how they find out um, others, you know, through the information on the internet. Uh, we have international students. So we have a lot of students coming from various places and I get emails from Caribbean islands or Europe, you know, um, asking for the, for the program, what the requirements would be. Do you get a lot? Do you get a lot of people from out of state, or are they mostly all New Yorkers? Mostly New Yorkers, but we did have on occasion we had people coming from Florida. We had uh, uh, a few students. Few how days. many graduates do you um, average in a year? I know you're the largest school, so like how many how many dental technicians are we talking? About forty. Wow, awesome. How many of them want to come work in Indiana? <laughs> Or Florida, for that or, matter. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I Florida's we, a bigger draw. <laughs> we do actually provide the service that we have their emails and we send the email blast when we do get information about the uh, offers in other states. So I think if you guys are interested or anybody else is interested, our information is on the website under New York City College of Technology and you can find restorative dentistry there and find uh, my uh, contact information or any other faculty that you know, and you can send us information and we're gonna blast it to our current graduating students and to the alumni. And you never know who is looking, who is watching for change. We had students going to various labs all over the country. I'll tell you, for me, looking at my uh, perspective down here in Florida, I mean, we're always looking for really good technicians. So if there's anything, you and I, you and I know each other personally and professionally that we can do for you, you know, to help you and to help the students. Um, I'm completely open to it and would be would be flattered. So I'll actually I'll do that. I'll see what we can do there. I, I don't know if they would be interested in going to Florida, but the more that we can do as an industry to place these students in really good laboratories and help them grow and use their knowledge that they learn, the better. Right. The the problem with our students that we have the largest problem problem is for them to actually move out of the city yeah we have so many labs here in long island and uh, westchester and new jersey and connecticut pennsylvania you know the local places that i know that students can get by the train or other means of transportation and they have a hard time you know understanding that these are great opportunities greater than even they can find in the city oftentimes because sometimes the city gets saturated because we have more candidates for that reason for the city yeah, we talk about the um, the schools and there being a lack of schools. In Florida, we had the Indian River College um, close a couple years ago. What is your feeling on why there's a lack of schools and why schools are, are shutting down? What What is happening? I think that, like I mentioned before, you know, the enrollment is a huge issue. Uh, the general public just doesn't know we exist. And if they don't know we exist, how, why, how would they know that they want to pursue dental technology. Like in Europe, everybody knows about dental technician and they know that there is a educational system they have to go through to get to the 
profession. But in our profession, you know, anybody can do it. And the salaries, frankly, were not that great. And it's a great thing to see um, in Chicago. I got the report from uh, National Association of Dental Laboratories seeing that we are finally picking up and actually the salaries went up 3.7% uh, since last year. And the average salary now it's $43,500 a year. So uh, I'm glad to see that rise because it will definitely attract more people. And I think that digital technologies as well are gonna become more attractive. And I just wanna say that that salary does very well in Indiana. I don't know about New York City, but you can live very comfortably on that in Indiana, yeah. so. Well, that's crazy for us. Even in New York City, you know, uh, because it's such a congestion, the salaries you would think would be much higher, but they're not really that much higher. So I think with the salary like this in New York and being in Indiana or Florida, you can definitely get a lot more for your buck moving to another state. And if only the, the graduates would understand that, I think they would be willing to open up to possibilities. Absolutely. How many people have graduated and moved on to become dentists? Is that a thing? Do they get attracted? You know, you know, we do have number of graduates that have gone that route. And we were just talking to educators this year in Chicago at the national meeting about maybe creating pathways to dentistry. Because when I get my freshman students, I always say, so what's the plan? Why did you enter this field? And some of them would say, because I want to become a dentist or because I want to become a lab owner or whatnot. So those, usually you get two or three students that think about dentistry, but frankly, we don't have a pathway for them to go. So they on their own trying to find that pathway and either they end up in dentistry or not, having that clear pathway, if you take these and these courses, it would be easier for you to get maybe to dental schools. And some of the programs like Pasadena or LA City College or Indiana, are already, you know, uh, creating these pathways and New York is looking into as well to have just an, another track, you know, like optional for students to take uh, biology, chemistry, physics, uh, higher levels of these courses to be able to qualify for, you know, uh, pre-dental hmm. education. And I think we might be able to gain uh, more quality oriented students and students who want to be in dentistry to, to see possibilities with dental technology because more of them are probably going for dental hygiene and dental technology, not knowing that dental technology could also provide them with that pathway. Absolutely. I mean, I recommend anybody in the profession to know a lot more about the laboratory side. I mean, it can only make you a, a better dentist, I can only imagine. Right. That's what our graduates said who went for dental school, that being a graduate of dental technology program have helped them along the way in dental school was much easier, especially in the beginning for them because they've already knew terminology and they knew how to make restorations. And some of them even joked that they were making money, making dentures for other students because they had no clue how to do it. Oh. <laughs> that, that could be the entrepreneurial part of it as well. Wow. How about the other way around? Anybody join your, uh, your classes because they didn't do well in dentistry? Uh, we get, because we have the dental hygiene program in our school, we get a lot of students, uh, if they can't get into that program, sometimes we get students from radiologic technology, if they can get into those programs, they would come and they would take our programs and they end up loving our program. 
Um, uh, the dentistry side, we get dentists from other countries that their degrees don't qualify them to be dentists in this country. So they end up coming to our school and uh, going this route. Yeah, I think I met one of them at the uh, CDT Fest out in Chicago. That's what I was going to ask about the CDT designation. So do your students, do you promote that with your students? Is it um, absolutely a pathway to get certified? Do they, do they want to get certified? All right. Thanks for listening to the first part of Renata's interview. That was great. I learned a lot about what goes on in a dental technology school. How about you, Barb? Yes, I did. Actually, I actually visited Renata and took a look at her school and saw all the amazing students. However, I didn't get a chance to go to school. Um, I learned over the bench, started really young, and my whole career was spent uh, learning from all of the people around me. So you're very fortunate to go to school. I know. Can you imagine having the knowledge you gain from a accredited school before starting your career in the lab? I think that's a blessing to many, and I haven't hired a whole lot of people that have gone to school, um, but, I, but I wish that I could. I wish I had a school around us that I could pull from, because I think having two years of that knowledge already would actually put them in a very good position to excel pretty quickly in the laboratory. Yeah, I went to school for computer networking, and then when I started here at the lab, I had to learn it all on the job, and I'm sure that's what most people have to do. It's a, it's a nice luxury that we don't all get. Yeah, I wish there was more schools. Unfortunately, we have more closing than we have opening. It's, it's just a sad thing. That was part one of Renata's interview. Join us next week for part two of the interview. Can't wait! We would like to end each episode with the CDT Tip of the Week. So if you are a CDT or know a CDT and have a nice tip you'd like to share, please email us at info at voicesfromthebench.com and we will either contact you to record or we can just read your tip here on our podcast and give you and your lab the acknowledgement it deserves for promoting the importance of being and having a CDT in our industry. Don't forget, guys, be sure to check out our website at voicesfromthebench.com and our Facebook at Voices from the Bench. We encourage everybody in our industry to spread the word to your friends, fellow employees, vendors, even dental offices. Voices of the Bench is something brand new, and we hope you like it. And if you have any suggestions on future guests or topics you'd like us to discuss, feel free to email us at info at voicesfromthebench.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash voicesfromthebench. Or if you just want to tell us how good we are or how much we suck, that's fine too. But seriously, we want this show to be for you. So email us with any suggestions. See you next week. Bye.